This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Leather Supplies, created by leather crafters for leather crafters, supplying premium leather tools and all your other leather working needs, specialised in vegetable tan leather such as Buttero, Pueblo and many others. They ship internationally and are trusted in the Australian and New Zealand leatherworking community. Visit coastalleathersupply.com.au. Welcome to episode 17 of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast. Today I'm with Sasha from The Butcher Bird. Sasha is from Adelaide, Australia and handcrafts a variety of bags such as totes, satchels, bucket bags and many others. She has also branched down to women's long wallets and small wallets. Her Etsy shop carries five-star reviews and she is committed to crafting items that will last. Currently, she is developing a workshop at Butcher Bird HQ, so sign up to her mailing list to be kept in the loop. Welcome, Sasha. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> so how did you get into leather craft? Well, let's see. I, um, oh, ages, so 2003, I started um, the custom-made footwear course at Marston TAFE. Um, and I, so I don't know why I got into leather itself. I was working in a shoe shop. I know that sounds a bit silly. And, um, and I remember just coming across the course for some reason. I think a friend had done it a long time ago or something and then doing a bit of research on it because it sounded really interesting and realizing that it was actually considered one of the best of its kind in Australia and even overseas it was a really highly sort of regarded course and sort of thinking look it's here in Adelaide wow let's you know why not give it a go um my granddad was a, a leather man he used to do belts and things like that so I always sort of had a bit of an interest in it but um and just working in a shoe shop, you know, I think I was a bit like, oh, let's, you know, go and design some shoes and and um, and pretty quickly realised it was very different than that and I just loved it. I just fell in love with leather craft. I was really lucky. I did, yeah, so 2003 is when I did it. I was incredibly lucky because um, I did it with about, um, oh, let's see, four other women um, who – so it was just a very small class. It was five of us, and all of those women are still really good friends now. It was just a great year. Um, so it was just, you know, a bit of a turning point where we all got a lot from it. And Rose, Roseanne Russell, or Rosie Russell, is at um, Seppertsfield Jam Factory still doing shoes and bags and stuff now. Um, so, she, you know, she did the course when I did. Um, so really, yeah, so I started as a shoemaker, that, and then, yeah, so did certificate three and four in, in custom-made footwear. That, that's remarkable because I've actually looked into shoemaking and all the TAFE courses have closed down in Adelaide. Yeah. I actually knew, knew someone um, that sort of did a shoemaking course at TAFE as well. Mm. And it's just it's just sad that they're not there anymore. It is so sad. When I when I did it, it was a two-year full-time course because when I first looked into, to, into it, I thought maybe I'd do part-time and keep working. And, and um, Simon O'Mallon was the lecturer um, and he was like, no, it has to be full-time. So, um, so we were lucky because it was a two-year course. But I think not long after that, it was reduced to a one-year course and then it was canned you know a while ago so yeah i feel very lucky to have gone through that there's so much from that that i use yeah i was gonna ask what did you what did they teach like what's your first lesson that you learned like what was your first lesson that they did wow what was the first lesson i couldn't even tell you well i mean they taught us in the progression of making a shoe i guess the first thing was learning about leather 
um, and going through, you know, um, uh, you know, the touch of leather and the feel of it and different um, different types of leather and, you know, um, and sort of setting your pattern tight to toe. Um, so, you know, the stretch of the leather is around, so making sure that your pattern is sort of um, resting down the spine so that it doesn't sag and, you know, things like that. And then talking about... Um, nesting your pattern so that you're not wasting anything you know so um just cutting your pattern out yeah. in a way that you you know you're not cutting a big chunk in the middle and then throwing everything out for minimal waste and and uh, and for you know money waste i guess as well yeah. it's so expensive that you don't want to be throwing it out so you know that was probably one of the first lessons that i remember and then um yeah they just took us through making a shoe we all made a shoe and yeah. through the whole course we made um Oh, maybe, oh, I can't remember, 15 shoes or something. You know, we made a derby in an Oxford. And, oh, that's um, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and a court shoe and um, and a, 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 welt, a welt schoon or welt schoon or, you know, like a um, where it's sewn through um, like a Clark's sort of style. No. Where it's um, <laughs> sewn onto the rubber sole. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so we did lots of styles and then we'd design our own. So it was amazing. It was really, yeah. it was really great two years. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you learn how to do like tassel loafers? Uh, no, we didn't. No, no, we didn't do that style. Did you do, uh, I love the R.M. Williams boot. I, I just, if I was yes. making a shoe, I'd just make... One of them, like yeah. The so we did elastic sided boots. That was yeah. one of the, oh, the cool. one of the um the thing. Yeah, one of the modules. So, because I've had this thought recently. So, when you get a piece of leather, you have like good parts of it and bad parts of it. So, when yeah. you're making a shoe, there's only one section of the spine. So, you, do you always have to use that spine for the same pieces, or can you use? No, not necessarily. Okay. It's it's not even more about the spine. I guess it's just about the stretch. Okay, yeah. Um, so you'll find there's less stretch, you yeah. know, um, between the head and the, the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, because when the animal's walking, you know, obviously, um, you know, they're walking like this, so down the sides are looser and softer, yeah. and whereas down the back it's, it's not moving around so much, so yeah. it's a bit bit firmer so really it's just finding the stretch yeah yeah so so you learn how to hand stitch like and do good year welts yeah. and that's yeah. great so you could actually make a shoe for someone if they came up like you just measure their feet and then you yeah we learned measuring actually that was probably one of the first things yeah measuring people's feet um yeah well after the course i had a, a workshop with rosie for about um I can't remember, but maybe two or three years, and I was a practicing shoemaker for a couple wow. of years. Uh, yeah, you should do a workshop course. I would do that. I'd love to learn. Oh, how to look, make I shoes. don't think I'd remember. Rosie, Rosie does them, and she would be the person to go to. She's yeah. great, and there are other people who would be better at teaching than yeah. I. Would be. I um I haven't done it for so long that I've forgotten a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, but you know the skills were so transferable, and yeah. I um yeah, so I. I mean, it was fun sort of making shoes. What I found about shoemaking is I, I don't think I did it the right way. There are people around now um, who do, uh, you know, they'll do a range and so yeah. they'll do a design and they do, you know, you can order the size range, whereas I did custom orders, um, which were great, but they 
quite often if someone is coming to you for some handmade shoes, it might be because I've got a huge bunion or something crazy with their feet. Yeah. So sometimes it was turning quite medical and that just was out of my oh, skill yeah. set. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> stuff wasn't fun. Yeah. So so I, I did sort of um, drift a bit more into bags and just really discovered a love for that. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so was, is there, um, so you, Oh, there's so many questions I have to ask regarding shoemaking, actually. Um, so, do you know the reason why they closed it down? Like, is this because there wasn't... I think just money. Yeah. I think um, when we were there at Marlston TAFE, um, there were five of us in a huge, huge, huge space yeah. um, with lots and lots of sewing machines. So, I think the space... Because, you know, there's a lot of equipment that's needed. Yeah. Um, I think the space, you know, to to um, student ratio probably just didn't equate financially for them, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy because, like, I wish they taught those skills because I remember, like, when you're at school, you know, the, the trade options are so limited. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, you, you forget, you know, that shoemaking is a trade. Yeah. You know, it's kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sad that. Oh, yeah, uh, it, is, it is. I think there are courses. I mean, when I was doing it, there were places in Melbourne and stuff that were really yeah, highly. I don't know if they're still going now. Yeah, but, I'm pretty um, sure that there actually is a place in Melbourne that does do shoemaking. You know, a lot of people go to Italy for like a yeah that, a four month private course, which is thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah. But you know, it's sort of worth their while. Um, I know our lecturer Simon you know, used to talk about going to Italy for his pattern making. He did the Lenati pattern making wow. technique and he, you know, sort of regaled us with his fabulous stories about, you know, going and learning Italian and having all these, um, you know, sort of Italian men talking in Italian behind his back, thinking that he didn't understand, but he knew the yeah. whole time what they were talking about. And he just, you know, really immersed himself and he brought the that pattern making technique back for us to learn. So that was really interesting. Yeah, that's that amazing that it's just... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it is, it is sad that it's all it's all finished and closed down. It was a really weird TAFE because it was, it was you know, like a trade TAFE. So it was all these tradies and then fashion as well. So there were yeah. all these glamorous, gorgeous little fashion girls um, and, and boys and then sort of us kind of in the middle somewhere where it was, um, you know, it, it was fashion, but it wasn't really, it was more a trade. It was a really interesting Sort trade. of like both combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. so imagine, so I guess well, how do you refine your skills? It would have just been through the shoemaking. Yeah, well, that that's where I first, um, I guess, developed a love for it and started to get some skills. Um and then a lot of it was just self-taught, really. After yeah. that, um, and back in two thousand and three, there were you couldn't just whack on YouTube and see, you know, YouTube all didn't exist then. Two thousand six. Yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to remember if I even did. But yeah, exactly. Um, the, like the first video on YouTube is like that that kid at that guy at the zoo. Have you seen it? You can type in first video on YouTube, and it's like someone at the zoo. <laughs> yeah. When was that? So oh, it didn't. Two thousand six. So it literally didn't exist then. Yeah. Now. So there you go. Um, so, you know, for us, um, yeah, it was just kind of, I guess, talking to each other and kind of um, seeing what other people were doing. And um, But I never really did any more training other than that, except mm-hmm. to then, you know, sort of discover down the track 
all the online stuff yeah. that you can get your hands on, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the butcher bird come about? Well, so I did, I did the, the shoemaking and then I was shoemaking and sort of taught myself how to make bags and made a few bags um, for a few years. And then, you know, it was a hard slog. Like it was, shoemaking was, um, it's hard, you know, difficult to get a full-time wage out of. Mm. So I kind of, you know, gradually went back into retail, which was my, um, you know, just my default money-making technique. So, you know, sort of worked there for years. And then um, and then in 2013, um, my husband and I had our first baby. Um, so so then stopped JB Hi-Fi and, you know, you're just there with a baby and spending lots of – you've got lots of time free. Um, and so I just kind of naturally got back into it and I started making baby shoes. So for him, I, I was like, I'll make some little baby shoes and I'll do this and that. And um, – I kind of did these little baby cowboy boots with soft lining, which were pretty cute. And um, so I – and then I just started playing around with bags again um, for the first time in a few years. And I was living in my – we were renting from my sister her place, which is a beautiful old Myland house. We were renting the sort of masonette on the the side. And on the other side is a, a beautiful old butcher shop. Um, so that was my, you know, it was empty and I moved into it as a studio just to start to make some things. And I think I just sort of thought, okay, look, if I'm going to do it, I want to start a label or, you know, call myself something, not just Sasha, you know. Um, so I, um, you know, it just kind of came from working in the butcher shop. I think, I can't remember why, but the butcher bird, it was just kind of like the, you know, the, the girl in the butcher shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the butcher bird, I guess it could be, you know, the the woman uh, making stuff in the butcher shop oh, okay. or, you know, um, yeah, yeah. That's so that's cool. how that came about. Wow. Yeah. Cause there's actually a bird called the butcher bird. There is. So, there is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. In fact, my dad lives in Lismore and when we visit him, um, there are butcher birds everywhere. And every time it's like, listen, butcher bird, listen. <laughs> I know we have to, I like the, uh, what's the, oh, that, that eagle, it's on the, I think like the New South Wales police use it for their. It's like the the, the Australian eagle. Oh, yeah. It called. It's like a huge eagle. It's, yeah. Um, much. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it was just a beautiful sort of corner butcher shop. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that sort of came about, and then um, you know, I started to really enjoy getting back into that again. Frankie, my first was about six months and six months old and so I started you know just getting more and more time as things settled a bit with a new baby to make yeah. things yeah um and so I started making yeah like you know a few baby shoes and I went to there's a beautiful well it doesn't exist anymore but there was a beautiful shop called One Small Room in Croydon um you know beautiful homewares and really upmarket sort of shop and I approached them about maybe stocking some baby shoes. And I was there with my mum. And my mum was wearing her bag that I had given her um, 10 years ago um, as a present when I was doing shoemaking, you know. And and the woman who was running it was like, no, no, we don't really do baby stuff much. But, you know, that bag's beautiful. (laughs) Um, And I was like, in my mind, I was like, yeah, why aren't I doing bags again? (laughs) So it's like... um, 
yeah, so it just naturally yeah. kind of um, developed into getting back into bags. Yeah. yeah. So how did you how did you teach yourself how to make bags? Like pattern making? Did you just was it just I trial just... and error? Just... Trial and error, absolutely. Yeah. I think just looking at other bags and seeing what had been done there, and um, and trial and error, really. Yeah. 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 How do you order in your leather? How'd so you... through um, the footwear um, course, there was a woman called Caroline, and she—I can't remember the name of their place—but um, her father had been doing leather for all of his life, and she was you know selling leather so we would go there a lot okay um and then you know just a few places in adelaide i i wouldn't really get it online because you know you um i do i can do now but back then i didn't trust myself with knowing unless i could see and touch it and feel it i didn't really you know know what i was getting um yeah yeah, so just starting off with with that really just sort of what we could get yeah seems like a very back then it seems like a very you need to know to find you know you know this person who has a connection to yeah word of mouth yeah Yeah, very much so and you know it i mean because it, it because it started from you know the footwear course and with the four other women who were doing it um, and a lot of them sort of, you know, we'd all talk and we'd all sort of find our yeah. connections and all share them with each other. And yeah. so that was really helpful. Yeah. So when you, when you opened up Butcherbird in 2013, how, how was it, re- how was it received by the community and how long did it sort of take to yeah. build a good momentum? Well, so I, um, I, so it was going to, it was through going to that shop and sort of getting the feedback that they loved that bag that, I, um, you know, it gave me the confidence to sort of start making bags again. And then I came across Bowbird Market. I don't, can't remember why. I think um, I don't think I even... 2009. That was the first one. Yeah, I think it was. And I think, um, yeah, and they, yeah, so I was just coming across them and sort of um, thinking, oh, I might try and do a market and realising it was a really upmarket market, um, you know, so people were there to, to spend money and they understood the value of things. And so I, I think I only made about three bags and took photos of them and sort of applied with these three photos of the only three bags I'd, I'd made. Um, and I got in and so I was like, I need to uh, make some more bags. So then I just, you know, really motored to make as many bags as I could. And I probably, so I probably went to my first Bowbird with about, oh, 20 bags or something and I I just remember thinking look if I it's it's kind of like advertising it's money that I'm losing yeah. and money on a stall you know I'll I'll talk to people it'll be really interesting you, you know you could spend the same sort of money on a a, a ad advertisement in a magazine or something and you know that's that's what I'm using it for but I actually sold bags and I couldn't believe it I remember <laughs> and I almost sold out I remember just being um just being dizzy with with happiness you know it was and it was lovely because you get the direct feedback from people and they love them and i you know it was and you know don't get me wrong people walk past and went oh you know that's a rip off or or, oh i don't like that you know you get a lot of negative comments too but you have to not listen to those ones yeah Yeah. i think the um for for you to apply it has to be designed in australia yeah so that's the the um requirement for bowbird doesn't have to be made in australia or 
or anything. So I think for me to be, um, you know, it, it helped that I was in Adelaide, handmade in Adelaide, yeah. you know, that sort of was all quite positive. Yeah. yeah. A bit about that Today Tonight interview. Because yeah. that's how I came. Uh, it's weird how, like, you, your arc paths have, like, crossed. So, like, yeah. I started in 2018, and I remember seeing you on television for, like, an interview, yeah. and I was I was like, wow, like, there's actually someone that actually does this full-time in Adelaide that can actually make money off it. Um, yeah. How did that come about? Because... The Today Tonight interview, do you know what? I shouldn't admit to this, pure luck, because one of my, a very close friend was working on Today Tonight. Um, so when they were doing the um, the segment on Today Tonight, she um, knew that I did Bowbird and, and put me up as, as um, yeah. an option to be interviewed. So, yeah, so then they contacted me and, cool. yeah, which was lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Is it still up on the web anywhere? Like, can you find that? I, you know, I don't know. And I thought now with Instagram and with the Instagram TV and all that sort of stuff, I might go back and find my original email with it in and put it up. Because so, I was trying to find it. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, yeah, because it's, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and try and try and find it and put yeah. it on my Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so s- selling at markets, I guess, like, tips. I guess you could expand that to sort of market tips for anyone who wants to do a market, I guess, and some yeah. other work. Yeah, definitely. So I um look, I I've never I never wanted to be I never wanted to be one of those people who went to a market every weekend like car boot sales, you know, and just markets because I think it really lowers the value of your brand. Um for me, you know, Bowbird was sort of the one to do. Um, yeah, so so I never, I think I did one um, that was, oh, where, where Plant 4 is now, you know, the... I was, um, I was actually thinking of doing Plant 4 because I have it like every yeah. Friday night, so it's sort of like a good consistent market. Yeah, you should a... try that. Yeah, it, this was before they were around and I did, oh, look, it, it was okay. I sold a couple of bags, but it wasn't great. And I, I remember just thinking just go Bowbird or, you know, go the the design markets are the ones to go for, um, in my opinion. That's that's probably what I have found. I find some of the others, you know, it opens, um, it, it, you know, it shows people your brand, but you don't necessarily sell a lot. Um, yeah. And by the time you spent, you know, thousands on leather and, and you know, um, it's sort of not so worth it. Um, but the tips as far as selling at markets, I reckon just – a really big um, draw card is that people get to meet you. You know, they get yeah. to meet someone who's making the stuff and, and people love it and it's just so nice. And the feedback that you get. I mean, um, I've had feedback where I've changed some designs because I go, oh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. So it's, you know, it's um, it's great. You, the, you know, you get feedback from the people who are wearing them Yeah. and it's invaluable. So, you know, you've got to have a, a tough, a thick skin. Yeah. Because you hear, you know, some crazy comments. One of the things I noticed as well when I was at that market, like the first time I ever did a market, I was like, wow, I really design things that I like. Like that was sort of a big mind blow yeah. for me because like everyone, like people have their own little tastes and all that. And I was like, okay, well, I've actually yeah. just made things that I like, but I need yeah. to make things that people like. Well, yes, yeah, yes and no though. But because sometimes what you like is your style and then that becomes your brand and that's a really yeah. good 
you know. Um, but but I guess to also listen to what other people are asking for, you know, and um, doesn't hurt. Yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Would I mean, you... I pretty much just design what I like. Yeah. The bags that I make are the bags that I want to, you know, I, I started off pretty much just making bags for me to wear. Yeah. And I still kind of do that to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so getting products in store, I guess this um, I'll expand a bit on it actually. So do you think, would you, like, is it better to have your mar- products at a market or in a shop? Do you think when sort of a um, well, bit about getting your products in a store? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I never, um, I never really pushed the in-store wholesale thing much because um, for a few reasons. Firstly, um, so I've got two kids: one's four and one's eight. So they're kind of little still, you know. Um, I mean, they're. So over the last, um, you know, when I started, I had a baby and then I had another baby and, you know, so so I kind of couldn't let it get too big, to be honest. Yeah. Like if I was, because I just didn't have time to make make it, um, yeah. it get big. So so I kind of had to keep it, you know, keep a lid on it for a while um, and just sort of refine my skills and get better and get a name out there. And so it's been nice because all of that's kind of been simmering away a bit. And now that they're getting older, I can kind of get into it a lot more. But um, so I never really wanted to put my stuff in shops. Um, but then there have been a few beautiful shops in Adelaide where their whole thing is supporting local designers. So yeah, I saw that. It's like Om, Om You Made or whatever it is. Om, uh, uh, yeah, OM Made. I'm not there, but yeah. they're yeah, they they're a lovely. Um, they've got three shops now. Yeah, and they do a beautiful job of supporting Adelaide designers. Um, the first shop I I went into was Brick and Mortar at Norwood, mm-hmm. um, and Elizabeth there, you know, she just did a beautiful job of sort of having everything in there that was locally made, and they've closed down now. Um, but then um, Field Trip Bauhanna. Um, was the next is the the other shop so Linda and Mim again are two beautiful women who work there and they do their own stuff as well um, and they kind of started off as a, I mean they they were doing bowbirds and stuff for their well Linda does bowbird for her jewellery and um, so you know we got to know each other through bowbird and they just started their shop off as a studio where they could both work and then they thought they might put some things in. And it's grown into a really beautiful shop. Wow. Um, and then her name was Nola, which is actually in the same place that One Small Room was. So, again, it's come full circle, like we were saying before. I love that sort of aspect of it. So there's a beautiful woman there called Sarah who, again, supports locally made and, mm-hmm. you know, slow fashion. And um, yeah. So I've got a few things in a few shops in Adelaide. Um, yeah, but I've never really pushed putting them into yeah. shops. Okay. Such yeah. a small place, Adelaide. I remember someone said, "Be be nice to everyone in Adelaide because you never know they might be your boss." Oh, absolutely! <laughs> it's that whole typical Adelaide thing. It's so funny talking to you about it because we both know that. Yeah, Adelaide. I know. It's, yeah, Adelaide is. I mean, I mean, I love Adelaide. I, yeah, I, it's, it's beautiful. People, you know, have their funny snide comments about it which are hilarious you know because i can see why it's the little Mm. you know it's a little city but it's a beautiful city and there's so much going on and there's so much creative stuff going on um but yeah i couldn't agree more do not you know yeah (laughs) you gotta be careful oh yeah i had some i had some 
some people came over from Melbourne. Um, and I think they said about I was like, oh, how do you find the like the traffic or like the layout of Adelaide? And they're like, oh, you know, couldn't believe it. You know, like the airport, yeah. the CBD, like everything's just yeah. so close. And yeah, it's uh. Absolutely. I freak out if I'm in traffic for like three minutes and oh, then yeah. <laughs> you remember what it's I like. Also, like I looked at like the, where the Melbourne airport is and where Melbourne city is. I was like, so yeah. far away. Like, why can't it just yeah. be like next to the city? Well, where I live, where I live, I'm literally, so I'm west and I'm literally five minutes to the beach or five minutes to the city. Yeah. And like Most five minutes, probably ten minutes to the hills. Yeah. And you can hear, probably hear a plane going over now. So it's pretty close to the airport. You know, right. it's very close to everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, you know, 20 minutes to the hills. Adelaide's great. Um, so a bit about the Dream Factory that you hot foil. Yeah. You got. How have you found it? And um, so, yes, yeah, so they make all, all their stuff's made in Korea, I'm pretty sure. All handmade. Yeah, South like... Korea. And they do, I think their big things are the hot foil stamping press and then stitching ponies. Yeah, I've seen um, their stitching ponies. I was like, yeah. I wouldn't mind, because I... I would like to get a, a, a flexible stitching pony because for bags and all that, because you're, you're changing yeah. it in so many different directions. My normal stitching pony, I had to yeah. like rotate it downwards and like clamp it yeah. in. And Whereas yeah. those rotating ones, you just screw them and then you can just fold them down. Yeah, well, I don't use, for my, um, for the butcher bird stuff, I, I machine stitch. I don't hand stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so all your, your beautiful listeners who are, you know, diehards, uh, <laughs> Diehard. Um, some people, some people machine stitch, but I'm, I'm not against. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not against know. machine stitching. I just. Oh look, I you I know it, it is what it is. It's a it's a speed thing. I think it's um saddle stitch and hand stitching is beautiful, and it's definitely you know the pinnacle. To to hand stitch you know a satchel would take a week. You know, so for me it's just not not doable. So and I've got a what have I got? I've got a. It's a cowboy 4500, so it's a beautiful long arm sort of um, industrial sewing machine. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's a really lovely machine. So I, I love my machine stitching. Yeah. That's, that's what I do. Every you know everyone's got their different place in the market, and that's my place. Um, but yeah, apparently their stitching ponies are really nice. But mm. yeah, so the hot foil stamping machine. So I I done lots of. Um, I mean, I got one from Etsy. Um, when I first started and it was fine. Like, you know, on my Instagram, I, I show it, it was good. It was fine. It goes up and down and that's what it does. So yeah. for a logo, yeah. it was perfect. But, um, you know, I get asked more and more about customization and initials and, you know, um, onto a bag. Yeah. So for, yeah, to, to be able to, for the other one, it had to cool down for half an hour before you could change the, the brass plate and then, um, put the, the initials in. So, it just, yeah, I was looking for one where I could just, you know, change that quite easily. So I looked around a lot, and there are some really beautiful ones that are a lot more expensive. So this was, um, I mean, it was still expensive, but, it, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. But it's also a little clicker, um, which I haven't really played around with yet. I'm looking forward to playing around with that that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it does the, the foiling and the debossing and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, Very we've nice. been, um with a with a bag when I when I made that tote bag it took me literally so long to hand stitch and it's, yeah and like, how long did it take you I'm interested oh a long a long and a long <laughs> I think at least like a week to yeah. like just the handles themselves to yeah. stitch them all was like eight hours I think for one yeah like that it's just and you don't think of that you're thinking like you know 
how can it take eight hours just to do a handle? But yeah. I was doing nine spaces per inch and using an awl and just like, literally, yeah. it's just in the end, it's just like you have to do one stitch at a time. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. It's yeah. A, I mean, some people do it and I have so much respect for them and, you know, um, but it just, for me, it's not, um, it's really, you know, you have to factor in your time and stuff when you're selling a bag. So, you know, I can't be selling bags for... Two thousand dollars. Some people do, and that's cool, yeah. and that's their place in the market. But um, you know, yeah. What so is this machines... the thing? Because like, the tote bag was unlined. Like, I didn't line the bag because yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a bit unsure with lining bags because just w- which leather to use because you know you throw things in and get scratched. People will complain. Yeah. Oh, my leather's being scratched. And yeah, it was it was. Yeah, the the bag would have cost. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'd. At least like five hundred dollars, and that's just being genuine, generous. Yeah. I guess like it probably could probably be a bit more. So it's like a hand stitch bag that's unlined. Is people going to yeah. pay that compared to like a machine stitch bag that you know it could yeah. be the exact same leather but just machine stitched and it'd be a lot more cheaper. So well, and a lot of people, a lot of leather workers, or a lot of people in the community know the difference. A lot of people who are buying a bag, it's not that they don't know the difference. It's that they, you know, to pay five hundred dollars. For a machine stitch bag, or two and a half thousand dollars for a hand stitch bag that looks almost identical, yeah. um, they are happy to make the choice to sort yeah. of um, get the the other one. I heard that there's actually a guy who, I think he's made by Nichols or something like that in England, and he uses he machine stitches his bag, but it looks like a hand stitch, so you yeah. sort of have that angled. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So you're kind of yeah. like the best of both. Yeah. You know. And I definitely um, use a much thicker thread and, you know, it's, um, so it, you know, it, some people are surprised that it's not a hand stitch bag, but anyone who, who hand stitches, you know, it's pretty clear that it's not, but it is what it is. You know, I, it, it's, yeah, well, it's, I'm not, yeah, I'm not opposed to hand, I'm not opposed to machine no. stitching. So. Yeah, that's it, exactly. It's just it's, about, um, different, different well, things. Different. Well, I sort of think it like shoe making, cause you can get shoes that are made off a last you know, a, gen- a generic glass that fits you. Yeah. Or you, you could, you know, you could still get a relatively good shoe, but or you could buy a shoe that's been like, a last has been made for your foot and it's all... Yeah. And it's kind of like, for me, like, I like shoes, but I would I would prefer buying like a shoe that's been generically made off like a last as opposed to buying a full bespoke shoe because I couldn't yeah. drop like two grand in a pair of shoes. So yeah, exactly. It's yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. it's still a good quality. It's just the, yeah. Yeah. Much, you're just paying for the time pretty much in the. Absolutely. That's it. And honestly, so I mean, for me, cause I do bags, I think machine stitching is perfect for wallets and stuff. If I was doing wallets, which I, I don't really, I do hand stitching because it's a much smaller area. Yeah. You know, it's, more obvious what what the stitch is like um so you know um and also i mean being having done it now for what 18 years or so like i'm not gonna lie your hands and your forearms start to hurt you know they um you get issues with that sort of after a while and that's not even from hand stitching so that's just from cutting and using your hands all the time and um so i just don't think i could hand stitch and keep it up, you know, and, and not have arthritis when I'm 80. <laughs> Future projects you'd like to make. So you, you, you're, you don't really go into the small goods because usually your 
us new leather crafters, we, yeah. we go like straight to wallets first and then yeah. bags. It's like the complete opposite. So why haven't yeah, you... I don't um, know. I think, I think, well, I think there are enough people who do them. I mean, mm. th- and do them really well and do them exceptionally well. I, um, I feel like it's not my place. I think, um, I mean, I really enjoy bags and I enjoy working the design, you know, for the design of bags. I love that element of it and the fashion and all that sort of stuff. Um, I am going to maybe some, some wallets but at the same time it's more just because people ask me it's not because i really want to do them i just feel like that there, there are enough people out there doing exceptional wallets yeah and exceptional edges and exceptional hand stitching and it's um and i i've just i just do other stuff really and what i what i try and design is bags where it's all about the leather really because yeah. um, you know the leather is is what it's all about so yeah. an exceptional piece of leather um just kind of put together in a way i mean i like I like designing things with a bit of a nod to nostalgia, you know, so very classic um, lines and, you know, so classic satchels and sort of, you know, that 70s bag that, you know, your mum had that, you know, is still going strong, that is just stunning and, you know, I love that sort of stuff, So that sort of styling. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I like about bags, I think. Well, like, when I was looking at your, um, also your, that, duffel bag that you make yeah it's like just thinking then you know i wouldn't even you wouldn't even look at the stitching like you look at the full item as a whereas with a wallet you like okay yeah you know make sure although yeah you're you're totally right although the stitching still has to be perfect and i again i remember learning this in shoemaking the lecturer said and it stuck with me if if no one knows how to make a shoe the one thing they'll look at is the stitching yeah and if not perfect they'll think the shoe is of a lesser quality and it's true you know so the stitching still has to be perfect yeah um yeah because yeah. that's sort of people what you know what people judge it by yeah. if they don't know how it's made yeah i like that actually so what uh did i so what future projects would you like to what was the answer i forgot what it was um, oh, i don't think i've asked yet i think i'm too busy <laughs> getting sidetracked sidetracked myself with other stuff um oh look New designs, really, is the biggest thing. Um, I always had the idea of doing um, some workshops where people could come to the studio and, you know, I figured not come to the studio and learn leather crafting from me. It was more a come to the studio and make a bag um, or make a very simple sort of tote bag where, you know, they're there with, you know, five or six friends or you know maybe maybe not I don't know and they sort of make a tote bag together but then sort of COVID hit and and that was all a bit um out of the question and I haven't really gone back to that yet but that's there's sort of some ideas for next year maybe um but at the moment the future projects are really just trying to come up with we're not trying to trying to find the time to come up with um yeah doing new new designs Mm because people love I mean something I'm really um thankful for is a lot of my customers now are return customers repeat customers um whether they're on the second or third bag for themselves or they've bought one for someone and they see how it went and that they're then buying them for themselves so which is really lovely um so i need to do new designs Mm -hmm. because you know sort of need to see new things yeah yeah um do you like do you follow anyone else on like youtube or 
other oh, leather workers so that you like? Many. Yeah, so many in Australia well, or YouTube or in Instagram yeah, I'm just, loving. Yeah, just in general. What leather in workers general, do you like? There's oh so my first ever bowbird, I came across a guy called Tom Farrah. I think I know uh, him because he had like that bag. Yeah, like the, he does beautiful work. Sure, and he's yeah, a very he's generous from Melbourne, sp- is he? He's Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I remember talking to him briefly in like 2018. Yeah, he's, he's great. You know, he's very generous with his time and with his um and his work is exceptional. So, you know, I I really enjoy seeing him about he always comes to Bowbirds. Um so it's always lovely to catch up with him and his work is ex- exceptional. Um Car is it Carswell? Carwell? Oh, Carl's, yeah, Martin. I mean, obviously, his work is ridiculous you know but it's it's a very different type of work to what i do so he does custom stuff um i can't handle custom stuff i used to do it and it drives me nuts i find it um so i I really admire his work um both for the fact that he really enjoys the custom side and also the uh, the skill level that he has is is ridiculous so um yeah the custom stuff just by the time you know because obviously the design and the pattern making and the prototyping takes so much time that I'd rather make my own designs and, and I've done all of that and then I can just sort of make them. So um, who else? And then, you know, obviously Instagram, there are so many Australian people who I love and follow and I, I can't even think of any of them mm-hmm. to rattle off now. But, you know, you know the people that you've interviewed and, there are just so many people that I love looking at. And then overseas, there, you know, there's, well, probably the first one that I started following was Stock and Barrel. You know, it's that yeah. um, back before they were sort of doing, I remember coming across one of his bags um, on Pinterest years and years ago and then seeing that they were doing a YouTube channel. And, again, he's really generous with his sharing of the knowledge and building the community, and which is great. Um, so I love watching his stuff or their their stuff. Um, Little King, you know, all of those. Hemlock and Hyde, have you seen their stuff? Was it Hemlock? Like H-E-M. Yeah, Hemlock and Hyde. They're in America and that's a, a husband and wife duo and she's amazing. You know, they, they again, are incredibly generous with their, their time and sort of their sharing of skills and knowledge and got some great pointers from them and they do beautiful designs. Oh, yeah, that uh, looks nice. Yeah, yeah, and they do Wicket and Craig veg tan, so mm-hmm. you know they just do beautiful stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah. Wow, I'm looking at that tote bag that they made. It's a. Uh... Not sure if that's lined or. No, they don't line. I don't line my stuff. Yeah, yet. I think they use the same sort of two mil, one and a half to two mil slightly thicker yeah so i mean back i'm working more with the the thicker you know the one and a half to two mil stuff i really enjoy doing and doing sort of scenes and outside you know um, edges and stuff like that but um when i was doing using some of the softer leather so my rule of thumb really is i line it if it's with a softer thinner leather and i don't line it if it's with the thicker leather um sort of way well firstly it doesn't really have to be lined if it's the thicker leather because quite often you're doing outside seams and it looks really neat on the inside and there yeah. are things that you can do to keep it really neat um but it also really make it makes them really heavy if they're lined as well with the thicker leather yeah i was, I was thinking that because um 
Yeah, like, you know, when you use a vegetable tan, like 1.5 mil, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't... It, it, you know, like, when you pick it up, it sort of has a bit of weight yeah. to it. So Yeah. So if you're using, you know, pig skin... I mean, I'd, I'd line with pig skin. Um, and so... And that's what I do my travel bags with and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, but it, it can add to the weight. I was going to yeah. ask, so how's the... Do, do customers prefer unlined? Um, it depends. Well, I think it just goes back to what I was saying with the softer leathers or the yeah. or the thicker leathers. So the softer leathers are all, you know, the seams on the inside um, and it can look a bit messy if it's all unlined. But at the same time, my my style is quite raw and quite, quite simple. Yeah. So even these days, um, you know, I was doing some bags that were just shopping totes, you know, just based on the, the classic shopping bag, the mm-hmm. plastic shopping bag, and they're all unlined and people really yeah. like that. Yeah. I think uh, you think with totes, they're sort of mainly unlined anyway because they're more of just a chuck everything in bag. Like I was looking yeah. at even like a St. Laurent bag, it's unlined, like a tote bag. Yeah. They, theirs is yeah. unlined. So yeah. I think if you're starting into like the nitty-gritty little um, bags, like they're yeah. fancy ones in there, you can line yeah. them because they're not. So they're sort of used for a specific use like if you go out for dinner or an yeah. event or something like that you yeah. wear it, take it and yeah and i still when i was doing custom orders I, you know i would still get people who asked for lined bags because that's kind of what they were used to that you know they had other bags that were lined and that's yeah. just what they equated to being a bag but um but then when they saw what i would do they'd go oh no that's fine you, you don't need to line it yeah. there's because it's the beautiful sort of suede yeah stuff. you know it looks good yeah yeah yeah, so I know what you mean because, like, with the with the flesh side anyway, it's kind of a suede yeah. as it is, unless it, if yeah. it's not split. So, and it's usually the same color as the outside anyway. So it's sort of a yeah, um, yeah. It's either the same color or you know a sort of nice um, beigey color. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was going to ask. So, if you do do a lining, do you do a hanging lining or do you glue it straight to the leather? Uh, well, this I'm not saying I'm right, but I used to do more a hanging lining because yeah. it went back to my shoemaking training, I and that's I, how you do the lining really? in shoemaking. I, I literally just took it from how I I would line a shoe. So, um, and then I remember seeing actually a stock and barrel YouTube video where they did a tote bag or something, and they did the four panels, and on each of the four panels they then um, you know did the seam and then popped it down and then sewed them all up together. I was like, wow, what is this? That's a whole different way yeah. of doing it. So no, I'd, yeah, I would do more. I'd do a lining and I'll do an up, upper or an outside and then I'll whack them together and sew them into each other. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Well, I didn't know that That's shoes... how I do it. It doesn't mean that that's Yeah, right. I didn't know that shoe-making actually most... was like that, that they did a hanging lining in shoes. Mm. I'm not sure if these R.M. Williams are. Oh, I don't think these ones... I don't actually. I don't even know. If they're um, if you've got the elastic side of boots, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, is because it? I'm, yeah, they're they're full on. I remember we um, when we learnt how to make those, um, you do the upper and the lining, and then you sew all the way around to the elastic, and you left. I think it was literally a one inch gap, and then you had to get the whole shoe through that one inch gap to get it around the right way. Do you know what I mean? Are you talking about the the back seam where it's stitched on the back? No, not the back seam. It was like the bottom of the elastic. You just leave a little gap there 
and then you would, um, yeah, push the whole shoe through. Um, and I remember we were all there for a day trying to get our. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> like I, I would love to be able to make an Aaron Williams boot because I just love how it's one piece. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I just like how it's one piece and stitched, stitched at the back. It's a... Yeah, and they're beautiful because they're blocked. So you know, so they they put the leather on a on a block and then wet it, and it takes on the shape of, you know, the front of your foot. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. You might be a lecturer if they open up again. You could be. Oh, no, no, nowhere near it. No. I'd go to learn if they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where am I up to? So, yeah, what, what leather do you like to use? Well, at the moment, I'm using Australian leather. So, I'm going through Oz Tanners. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because you spend all your time, you find all these things, and sometimes you want to keep it to yourself. But, you know, I don't think. You know, I like sharing it with the community and saying this is what I'm using. I mean, it's yeah. So, um, so I'm using the Oz Tanner's leather at the moment because it's Australian, and for me, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's, um, I just remember at Bowbirds, people quite often saying, "Where do you get your leather from?" and being quite surprised and disappointed when I would say overseas. And I remember learning in the the shoemaking course that you know the tanneries in Australia were just such a dying art form. Yeah. Um, so when I came across an Australian tannery, it was just really exciting. And, and when I got some samples, it's really beautiful leather and it's the thickness that I like to work with. Um, yeah, so that's what I am using at the moment. Yeah. What are Australian tanneries like? Because I haven't had... Apart not... from this one, I have not... I've never really found many. Okay. I think there's a... I think there's a kangaroo one here and there and... Um, but I would love to hear about any that are around. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Know, I know that the, the really kangaroo dying. leather from DS Horn, that's like real good stuff. That's what I learned yeah. with. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the kangaroo is like really consistent all the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have much... Uh, I remember I, did, I made a, a, a cigar roll for someone. Not a cigar roll, a pipe roll. And that was with... Yeah. What's the... Um, some leather from Oz standards, but that was sort of about it. I... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I was using the, um, what was it, the, um, the Tasman stuff. It was a New Zealand leather. It was the Whiskey Woodlands, and it was beautiful, but it was very, um, it, it would um, change a lot. You know, yeah. you'd get a batch, and then a year later it would be completely different. Okay. Um, and and obviously it can be different, but this was so different that then you'd almost have to make everything and photograph it again and put it on oh, your website. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I like, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, the photos, I'm not very good at the online stuff and the photo, the, the website stuff and the photographs. And so when I've sort of gone to the trouble of taking a couple of photos, I'm like, I don't want to have to do that again. So I like working with the same leather. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because at that market I'm going to, I'm going to actually, last night I've, made up these little card things of about each product so like where the leather's from yeah etc etc so yeah i don't have any australian leather (laughs) so people won't care yeah i mean it's look and i'm not saying it's better or worse than anything else that's out there obviously there are amazing leathers from america and italy and uh, you know i'd be able to use the wicket and craig leather um but i've made lots and lots of um inquiries into it and the cost of getting it 
over here, whether you're buying it from a shop or getting it yourself, is just, you know, it, it's just undoable, really. I like with them, um, what at the moment for me to do my straps, I put the two pieces together and then sew them and then, um, and then edge finish them. I'd love to just have the same leather in a thicker oh, yeah. thickness um, so that it's the same colour, but then I don't have to do that. But I'm yet to find a place that's not Wicket and Craig or that's sort of not overseas that can help me with that. What's the bridal leather like in... Actually, I, actually, I did find an Australian tannery that actually does sell bridal leather. But yeah. it was hard because the website didn't have any pictures at all, so it's kind of... Who was it? I'll write it down. Started with a G. Yeah. Where is it, Tannery? Let me. I'll just type in kangaroo. Let's see what's. Yeah. Yeah, and the kangaroo and stuff is beautiful. It's too thin for me for my bags, um, but it's beautiful for you know purses or wallets and that sort of stuff. I, I know Makers Supply sell. They sell Wicked and Craig in Tasmania. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of places who who sell Wicket and Craig in Australia, but to get the, the different thicknesses and the different colours that I was thinking, I'm having trouble. But let let us know. Oh, wow. So I just typed in Australian <laughs> tannery, and there's one. So the first one was Green How Tannery, which was G-R-E-E-N-H-A-L-G-H tannery. Yeah. That's in Victoria. I'm yeah. pretty sure that they have bridal leather yeah. So you might use... Like, I think they're more... Yeah. I don't, I'm not really an expert on them, but... I just, mm. So I typed in Australian Tannery. That came up. Oz Tanner's Roman Tannery in Victoria and then Southern Tannery in Port Elliot. Yeah. 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 Never heard of them before. Yeah, Port Elliot's here, isn't it? Mm. In S- Yeah. No, so, I mean, you know, the Oz Tanner's is, um, yeah, doing a beautiful job. And they're sort of releasing new things all the time. Um but I did, I found the reaction to Australian leather is really good, actually. Obviously, you know, I, I just kind of figured if I'm all about sort of support local, shop local, slow fashion, um, it just made sense for me to then try and use Australian leather if, if it was of the quality that I was looking for yeah. and this stuff. So it's really nice. Yeah. Austin, that's okay. You should check out their kangaroo. I've never, yeah, have, you know get some samples and because I think it's pretty the colors are beautiful well I'd like to make an apron in the, you can use oh wait can you use chrome tan I'm pretty sure you can use chrome tan for that but oh they, yeah for they, sure. they sell by sides don't they they don't sell panels no they don't do panels it's all by sides yeah yeah combination yeah. tan we'll have a combination tan yeah that's what I use so I use the the combination tan stuff oh, okay yep yeah and again, I'd love to just use veg tan. Um, I think there's something about the, but yeah, this is this is beautiful. It's just a, yeah, it's just a little bit. The softness that it sort of gets with a little bit of combination tan is quite nice for bags. Yeah, they sit really well, and um, sometimes the veg is just a bit too stiff, and it just depends on on what it is, I guess. Yeah, they're kangaroo. They have like so many colours. So many colours, yeah. Green. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um. So, for you're more experted in women's goods, because most of us craft men's items. Yeah. What, like, 
if you like, what do women look for in a in a product, and is it more competitive? Because you know, women's fashion is a huge market. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's an interesting question. That's probably where I've got a little bit of a niche, I reckon, which has really worked for me because um, I'm not sort of high turnover fashion, you know. But I I just have found a lot of my customers love that, you know, it's sort of handmade in Australia and. Um, so it's sometimes the fashion element can be, um, you know, a bit fast and a bit, you know, um, and then the other side of it is, yeah, is the men's stuff. So, you know, a lot of the the guys doing wallets and which, again, is beautiful and there's a beautiful place for that. But I I kind of sit somewhere in the middle maybe where I do do – I mean, I do, I do lots of um, – satchels and you know the the travel bags and the the overnight bags and the satchels a lot of guys buy but I actually yeah I find a lot of women buy them for their husbands so maybe women are sort of more my market yeah um yeah so no it works really well for me women what do they look for I mean they I guess the people who like my things just like the really the simplicity of the design and the the sort of classic designs um and the the quality leather really mm-hmm. yeah okay so what would be the, like what, what would be a what's the most popular item you sell like the tote bags or sort of a range uh, of items let's see probably the the classic satchels have always done really well yeah. um the old school backpack yeah that, um, yeah really I like that popular. yeah and that's the, i designed that so when when frankie who was the first baby um went to childcare um, he needed a bag and I remember, you know, he had this little, I don't know, plastic sort of thing and it was just horrible. I mean, it was really cute, but it was um, badly made. And, and then I remember putting it on the, on the hook with all the other, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine bags and Peppa Pig bags and just going, nah, this, this won't go at all. So I, so I sort of researched and, and made him this, this little, um, you know, that's, it's just an old school classic backpack um that I sort of have in my mind when I think about you know being in kindy and so I made him one and everyone you know and he used it for years and everyone loved it so much um that I started putting them in adult sizes so that's the that's the old school backpack so that's a really popular one um and the bucket bags are really really popular yeah Um, yeah I've seen them yeah yeah uh the 70s saddle bag is is a really good one. That, that, is is quite... good, that is a nice backpack. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Who, who does your photography? Do you do it? Well, a bit of this, a bit of that. I, I um, There's a, a great, a wonderful man called Andy Knoll in Adelaide um, who was doing some of my photography. He's, he's not doing that quite so much anymore. Um, I try and do my own. I need to learn how to do my own much better. Um, yeah, because, you know, because I make to order, it's rare that I actually have bags to photograph. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem sometimes. So, um, so if you have someone else doing your photography, which I'm not good enough to do it, but so when I've got someone else doing my photography, you either have to kind of take a bag to them every couple of weeks and that's tricky for them because they need to set it all up and it doesn't quite work. Or just before Bowbird, you suddenly find yourself running there, you know, with 30 bags to photograph. And that can also yeah. be tricky because, you know, it, it kind of just has to work for both of our times or it doesn't work yeah. and it doesn't work. 
So I'm trying to sort of take as many as I can myself. But, yeah, the photography is something I need to get a lot yeah. better at. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But, no, that, that, that backpack looked really, really nice. I, uh, oh, the photos that he did of the um, – oh, I've also got the deluxe satchel that I don't have on my website yet. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, so there were some photos that he did of the backpack um, and the satchel, and they're just they're, – they're great photos. He's yeah. a real – photographer yeah so all your leather is australian leather the the leather that i'm using at the moment is yeah so i think all the leather in the photos because if i don't if i'm not making it i take it down from the website so yeah everything up there at the moment is australian wow, yeah. that's, that's good leather oh it's beautiful you, yeah when i come to gathered and and see your stuff and visit you i'll bring some samples of what i use and you can See it. See yeah, what you just, think. I'll just I'll put them on display. This is my no, work. No, it's just you, so you can, you can <laughs> bring your bring your leather carry on bag. I would like to put that there. <laughs> yeah, no. I like that. Being so long in the industry, the changes you have seen. Well, probably the biggest change I have seen is the access to knowledge, like yeah. YouTube. Um, and and the community, you know, so the community of Instagram and, um, you know, so for me following pe- people like you and Coastal Leather, you know, so suddenly coming across Coastal Leather was a, a game changer for me and sort of then jumping into their Instagram and seeing who followed them and going, oh, they exist, they exist, they do beautiful stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of that rabbit hole of looking at the people. Instagram's a big thing for me and, and it's a big um driver of sales for me so a lot of people will contact me directly through instagram and order things so i spend a lot of time on there and um so quite often if i love someone i'll then see who they're following see who follows them and then you're just aware of so many more people in it so the australian community has really changed the australian leatherworking community has really changed which has been lovely um it's interesting you say that because most like people say that Instagram isn't where they get their sales from. Mm. So that's yeah. For me, it's been a really big one. Yeah, yeah it's great. How do you like the Instagram videos or not? Mine or I, I, yeah, because I I don't really want to put my face on. I know I need to do a meet the make oh. one, and it's like I'm <laughs> regretting you know? the reluctant as. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's embarrassing, and it's hard. It's hard because. Don't look back on them would be my one thing. If I ever look back on one that I've done, I just, I almost want to tear it down. It's, because <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think, um, I remember when I first started doing the Butcher Bird, one thing I did do was go to Melbourne for a conference that was called the, oh, what was it? The, um, it was basically a conference on making, yeah, but making money out of making. Um, the Artful Business Conference. Okay. And it was really, it was an eye-opener. It was really cool. It was two days of sort of um, basically lots and lots of people talking about how, yeah, it's cool to be good at making something, um, but it's a whole other thing to make money out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember just something that they said at that conference is people love to see the face behind, you know, the label. Yeah. I, I had the intention of just, you know, starting an Instagram, just putting pictures of my bags. I did not want to be there at all. I didn't want people to know me. I felt really embarrassed about it. I felt really, I, I'm not the sort of person to really be on display. And, and um, 
So I found that quite hard, but they sort of, and it's true. I mean, the people that I watch and I follow and I enjoy watching, a, a large part of it is because I enjoy seeing. Yeah, them, I know. And it's really interesting. And I think so. I think you just have to break the ice and do it. And then once you've done it, you're like, when I did my first live, I mean, I look back on it and all, because when you do a live thing on Instagram, so everyone's coming up and I'm going, hi, hi, because it was so exciting. And now I look back on it and go, oh, you idiot you know so, but you know whatever it is what it is you just have yeah. to do it and yeah. and not worry about it i guess i can combine these two questions so selling handcrafted in a mass-produced market and sort of the australian market in general so yeah i think there's a huge market in australia um there's a huge amount of people who know quality leather or you know quality goods um, they really want to follow and support local artisans, you know, and, and they will go out of their, it surprises me, they'll go out of their way to buy from someone local if they like it, um, which is just amazing. It's it's huge. It just is, I'm so thankful for that all the time. And, um, yeah, so no, and, and they know they know quality and they've got the money and they, they're not afraid to spend it. And they might, you know, so for me, they might want a bag and it's, you know, five or $600 or something and they don't have the money on them that time. But in two years' time, when it's their 30th birthday, they'll ask for a bag yeah, or, yeah. you know, or, or whatever, you know. So, so you're in the back of their mind. Um, yeah, no, there is a really good market for it, I think. The other thing, so Etsy for me, I, I first went on, I went on Etsy when it first started. I remember it being, it just being this new platform. Yeah. Um, and, or maybe I didn't go on when it first started, but I remember when it first started and people talking about it and it was quite interesting. It was like a, you know, it was like um, eBay for makers. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I was like, what is this? Yeah, I remember it was, it was kind of like, a, if you're on Etsy, it's like, okay, this person's legit. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because that's why I did my website, which I haven't kept up very well because it almost then went the other way where it it kind of was was turning into a bit more of a, you know, I don't know, handmade NAF, you know, sort of um, marketplace. But it, that's what I was starting to think of it, but it wasn't at all. Like it just, um, it's, a, it's a real, it's a very quality sort of, um, marketplace mm-hmm. i mean there's good and bad there but etsy for me has been really interesting because there are lots of people who just jump on etsy and browse and so they come across you you know so i've sent bags to germany south africa wow. you know the uk the us um you know a ridiculous amount of countries through etsy and there's no way they would have come across me if i wasn't on etsy so etsy is a really interesting thing that's worth looking into as well even to this day because i thought like i heard like what i've heard is like oh etsy was good in the in its original but then now it's just like full with ads and etc etc yeah no look i yeah and that's where i was starting to kind of um you know be a bit not concerned about etsy but you know it was just that thing of oh it's a little bit um second rate but no even no not at all even to this day uh, yeah i get a huge amount of orders from um, people who never would have come across me if it wasn't for Etsy. So I guess that's true because, like, with a website, you have to type in Joseph M. Leather. To yeah, get, exactly, to get. exactly. And, and that's like... something that, that Jess Van Den said. I remember her, um, you know, so her sort of saying, "I started with Etsy, and now, I mean, she's so known with her jewellery that she just 
she's got both. She's got Etsy and a website, and she was like, do both, because you'll get quite a different yeah. set of traffic from both. Um, so that's oh, worth. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I might have making it because I was on Etsy yeah. years ago, actually, just yeah. selling. Well, I didn't actually sell anything because it was such a it was enough for very long, but. Um, it's it's quite cheap as well because with a with Shopify it's like fifty dollars a month, whereas Etsy's like a dollar or something like that. Yeah, like it it's almost nothing, and they take a bit. I can't remember what the percentage is, but they take a little bit from each sale. But it's you know, I guess there's not much that you can't really get the full price of what what you sell it for in any. So if I well, do a market, PayPal, you know, PayPal takes a little section yeah. anyway. So I mean, if you have a market stall at like one of the you know, like one of the really high-end markets and you have a double market stall, you know, so a double booth yeah. so that people have the room to look around and try on bags and stuff. I mean, you're looking at $2,000 or something, you know. So um, and then if you sell stuff to shops, they a lot of them take half of what you sell it for, yeah. 100% markup. Not all do. Then, you know, um, so wherever you look, sometimes there's a huge amount going to somewhere else so yeah no etsy's etsy's not bad it's it's worth it's worth doing and it's worth doing as a two-pronged attack sometimes yeah. um that's what, actually i just had that thought then so with markets the whole dis like displaying you how you display your work at a market is like an art form in itself it's like yeah so i literally uh, some advice to get because i li- because you, I remember I heard that you never you never want to have all your things flat because people are looking down. You sort right, of want to yeah. have things like straight up so you, people yeah. can look. I don't know what props would you use for a. Do you have well, any props I, I could I, use? Oh yeah, you can borrow anything I've got. I'm trying to think of anything that I might I, have. I, I just have like work. a wooden table. Like it's, it's very like a classical wooden table. It's quite nice. I I it looks very. You, yeah, for you do um, which I actually don't have. Because bags and wallets are quite different to display. But for you, I would do like, um, uh, you know, like wooden steps type thing. Yeah, just trying to find them. Yeah, well, okay, so if you, it depends how much you want to spend. But um, there's a place called Market Stall Co. Um, that is basically, I mean, it's an interesting business because they've basically um, come out of the need for market displays because of all the markets like finders keepers and big design market and stuff like that around the place. So, so I got my um, display stuff through them. Um, it's worth having a look there. Yeah. But for some, I mean, for the big pieces, they can be quite expensive, but for what you're after, just the little almost wooden yeah, steps. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, funny. it's not bad. And it also gives you ideas. If you look on there of what you could make yourself, if you went to Bunnings, Oh, they even have, like, business card holders. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, so they're, they're great. Um, they can sell desks. Like, you could just even just buy a desk and use it. Yeah, for... they do all sorts of stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, I don't know who else does that sort of stuff. There would have to be other businesses. They're the only one I know of, and they're, they're, that's sort of where I got my, um, like, my pegboard and my display board that I use for Bowbird and stuff. They actually have... They're also good because the whole point for them is they make it so that uh, you can pack it up and, yeah, something like that. Perfect. It's like a vertical vertical card jewellery display. And once you've invested in something like that, you'll always have it. It's well worth it. Yeah. Well worth it. 
Are you just the colour as well? Raw pine wood, whatever yeah. that colour is. Yeah. And they also, everything's made with the intention of being able to pack it up and and um, really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the last thing you want to do when you go to a market is have to bring out your screwdriver and, you know, assemble, which you see people do, and it's like, how are you doing that? Assemble a whole... It's made, um, in, made in Melbourne as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's great. That's a good idea, actually. I like well, that's that. their whole business model. It's basically, uh, I mean, they're, they're pretty clever. Because I was um, thinking, like, oh, I have to try and go to an op, sh- like a antique shop to try and yeah. find like a step thing. Is like, can't someone just make it for me? And here you go. Yeah. I hear there's like step shelves. You can rent yeah. these ones. You can yeah, them. you can rent. So that's the other thing. If you do a market uh, um, stall interstate, you can rent stuff so you don't have to take your stuff over. Wow, that's cool. No, thanks for that. Because, uh, yeah, yeah cool. you just, you'll see yeah, me. I'll have like all this stuff that you've. <laughs> no, me. that's good. Anything I could do to help, it's great. What's an anti-fatigue mat? Is it just a springy mat for standing on? Oh, I guess so, yeah, I guess, yeah. Maybe. Because when you were at Bowerbird, you had like a whole wall, like your whole... Yeah. So the like two a... things I got from Market Stall Co, or whatever they are, is the um, the pegboard, which is what it's about. I'm looking at it now. It's about a metre by... A meter wide by two meters high, um, and it's just got you know all the holes that so I can hang bags on there and create a display. And then there's oh also... yeah, the freestanding pegboard. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's which cool. is, I'd love to get another one, but you know, bit of an investment, but so good. Um, and then the other thing I got was the what well, was like the A-frame type thing with four. Um... Oh yeah. Sandwich board A-frame. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember what it was called, but it's just basically, a, you know, you can just sit things on there. So I can hang things from one thing and then sit things on the other so it works well together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, they're great. They're really good. I, know, I love looking at other people. Like when, you, when you're at a market, like every stall is like so uniquely distinct from each other. Yeah. It's oh, people's stalls. I'm not good. I mean, my stall is fine, but there are some people that have just like banners at the back. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. No, that's cool. Do you <laughs> have a skiving machine? I do. I've got a bell skiver. Oh, yeah. That I got from Gumtree. Oh, wow. Stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. But that's one of the, I was lucky that was one of, one of the first things I, that I came across, and it just is a game changer. It's oh, so yeah. Yeah, so it's a German one. I got it for about $400 on Gumtree. I've seen them since for like one and a half grand, so I feel, yeah, yeah quite quite blessed, and it's good, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I um, yeah, when I was at RM Williams, I used the Bell Skyver like every single day, and sort of yeah. at, at the time I was, because um, I learned a lot about it, I didn't think it was going to be quite helpful to me, but now looking back on it, I was like, wow, that was actually a really good experience because I knew how to like, because we're, we're doing 800 belts a day. Yeah. So I got like, learned how to like sharpen it, you know, oh, then when, when you sharpen it too much, you get the burr, then you put the thing in and it undoes the burr and yeah, right. that sort of stuff. And Interesting. Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. I think I was, when I've seen people like, they put their thing through and they just put through like one time. It's like, oh, I remember like doing like 800 times, wow. <laughs> like a thousand times. Crazy. And, Production line, that's intense, isn't um, it? Yeah, just sharpening the thing, crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, was, that was an air compressed one as well. So, oh, wow. So when you put your, so it would be running like, like the, and then you'd put your foot down and then the air would like 
grab hold of it and then it would put it through. Oh, some of them are cool. you you like lock, you put close the thing down, press, and then you it goes across. That's what I've got. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And again, I mean, you can have crazy mishaps. Like it, it, you know, it's if it's not perfectly sharpened, which I'm not always very good at, and. You know, if you've got other leather, that's fine. If you're using your last piece of leather and then it eats it, you're like, yeah, ah. um, yeah. But it's it's great. And yeah. again, you know, the people who can skive properly and well and do it in a in a way that um, they're not spending all day doing it, I've got so much respect for them. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I, I like my bill skiver. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Han, do you, so with your ones, do you have like the sharpening thing, like the stuff that when the stone is you put it yeah. through it and it's sharp like it polishes the stone and all that yeah oh that's cool yeah. but it's a pretty old one so there are certain bits that i don't think are working as well but yeah so you can sort of um take it down and it it um sharpens and then yeah because yeah. we, sounds... we, we had like so there was a one i had it was it had like two different colors i think like one the red was like a pinkish one and you put that to the, the stone to polish the stone yeah. So when you've been sharpening the stone for too long, um, you know, you can get, I don't know, metal on the stone. So then you put it onto the stone and then for a bit and it just oh, polishes the stone. Interesting. And then, I, I, this is good because this is one of the knowledges I actually have that I yeah. can share with people. Um, yeah. But then, because when you, when you do the, because I remember like there'd be times like when I first started RM Williams, I'd be yanking the the belt through and that was like you know that's about you should always go through nice and yeah calmly so there'd be times yeah. where, where i had to you know some like literally the guy one of the guys would come over and would sharpen it and it would be like sharpening like for so long yeah but anyway yeah. so if you if you sharpen it too much it the blade ends up bending like this yeah so you sure. have, you have yeah. this other one that you would put in so as the as the blade's Wait, wrong way. Uh, yeah. Wait, so just, yeah, so if the blade's going around, you'd put your thing in and so as the blade's moving around, it would undo yeah. the burr. But you'd only ah, put it, you'd only put it, you'd only put it gently against the, not gently, but not yeah. firm sort of bit. I haven't found that feature yet. There are a couple of knobs and I've had no idea what, what they yeah. do because it didn't come with instructions. That might be one of them. Yeah. But um, yeah, fascinating. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, very nice. Aaron Williams, that's very interesting. That's an interesting career to have under your belt. Yeah, so that was a yeah, production line in the belts. Yeah. Actually, in regards to your sewing machines, do you have mm. just the the main ones, or do you? Because you can get like the post arm, or you can get. Do you have the yeah. post arm one, or just the? No, so I had a few, and I don't use the other. I had a flatbed when I first started shoemaking, and I got rid of that. Um, and then I had a post bed. Um, and I found with the bag making, um, it worked well for a while, but then I've, you know, in the last maybe two years upgraded to the one I've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one I've got now is, a, I don't know if you can, can you see that one? Yeah. So it's the long arm. Um, it's the, well, it's, it, so it's the uh, Cowboy, what is it? The Cowboy 4500 or the high techs or, you yeah. know, just same thing, rebadge sort of thing. But um. Yeah, so that works really well for bag making. Um, the post did pretty well for bag making as well. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because I always thought that if you made bags, you need a post arm, which is that's actually good because uh, my familiarity with sewing machines is like 
no knowledge whatsoever. So it's like, yeah. if I had to get a sewing machine, I would have to ask someone. It's like, what yeah, this machine? is. If you're a... going straight into a sewing machine, one like this is definitely the one to go for. Do you have a speed reducer and a was yeah, it sport, was it speed reducer and a, there's another one. I can't sport. remember, but yeah, I've got all the all the bits. Yeah, you need all the to, to make it go fast and slow, basically. Yeah, oh, that's because cool. uh, otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's just um, yeah, you have to be able to <laughs> slow right down to get really precise stitching sometimes. So yeah, I, actually, I wouldn't mind making a bag on a sewing machine to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it because I just can't imagine how quick it would be. Like just sitting there oh, hand stitching is just like. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, look, it, there's a time and a place for everything, and and um, the art of hand stitching. And like I said, I you know I've got so much regard for. It's beautiful. It's um you know I heard on the the podcast you were doing a few oh, the last one I can't remember who you were talking to, but talking about the the hand stitching and about how you know the the hold and and what a better um result it is and it, it is it's beautiful it's the whole thing where where if one thread pulls the whole thing pulls out but um you know so i get all of that but yeah for what i do the machine stitching yeah. is perfect and it, it holds i mean i with all my bags i offer you know like a lifetime guarantee and it's not often that people have to come back mm. for a bit of stitching or usually it's because they've sort of walked past something and, yeah. and a little bit or um so it I, I mean, it does its job very, very well. Yeah, but but the art of, of saddle stitch is just beautiful. What know? is your saddle stitch like? Not great. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't practiced it for a really? long time. Really? Okay. Haven't, yeah. Don't ask me now. When I was doing shoemaking and back in the day, I'd sort of practice it a bit and it was it was okay. Yeah. But um, no. Yeah. Okay. Not up there. Well, what tools do you use? Is there any, do you have a round knife? Do you use uh no i've just got i want to get around i want to get around that's just yeah it's like the leather worker tool like even though i probably won't use it but i just want to yeah no my knives i've just got a few you know sort of clicking knives and they're okay but i want to the other one i want to get or just try out is the um oh what is it it's the the charter made yeah yep um one you know where, where you get the um yeah I can't quite remember, but and then it's got that fancy French brass, beautiful covering. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but I want to invest in a few of those sorts of yeah. things. Um, my Palisanto edge bevelers. Oh, I want to get one of them. Favorite baby. <laughs> I, I, I keep wanting to get one, but it's like, oh, is there a hundred dollars? So worth it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What so size do you, did you get? Uh, I've got a couple. I've got the one and the two, I think. Yeah, okay. Because I want to get the um, zero and the three. So it's like for wallets yeah. and for belts. It's like you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, they're beautiful. And they... they um, but, you know, there's so much equipment you could get, isn't there? Um, yeah. It's, it's like... <laughs> it's some of, like the, the, some of the tools that you... Like, there's tools that I use today that I've used, like, since I started. Like a wood, like a wood slicker... Yeah. The same thing, like an adjustable edge creaser. Yeah. And yes. Like yeah. a and a, like a rubber mallet. It's like yeah. they're like the three tools that I just still use yeah. to this day. Like you don't really like with a like a good you know a good edge beveler is nice. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Something I made for myself, which I think I got it from um, the Stock and Barrel YouTube um, stuff, was a. Um, 
I just went to Bunnings and bought lots of different thin bits of wood and stuck them all together. I didn't even nail them. I just used some wood glue. Yeah. I'll show you. And, um, and I made myself like a belt, you know, just a thing that oh, you can put yeah. belts in that's and then easy to edge finish. So that's worth doing. Yeah, that's the one thing that I would like to, to have actually. And I've seen people use them and it's like, where do they get these things from? Yeah, I just made it. And I'm not very handy, so, so I just got, you know, like, a few different... Oh, that's cool. Um, so I've got, you know, a few different um, thicknesses and, and widths and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's super re- handy. That is actually that is pretty a, easy to make as well. Yeah, yeah, if I can make it, anyone can. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was worth it. That's good. Um, in regards to your, like, your workshop, so they'll be doing, they'll be next year. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. we'll see how that goes. So I was so I was in the butcher shop for years and years, and then just um, in the last like two months, I've moved my studio into my home studio mm-hmm. um, for a few reasons. So, um, firstly, having two little kids um, for a, you know for the whole time when they were sick, you know, it would just stop, and because I'm a one woman show, it just meant the orders had to wait for another week, yeah. and it. It would be really stressful and not great. So it means that if they're sick or on holidays, I can still work. Um, yeah, and it, so that's been really handy. Um, yeah, so and, and the butcher shop, like I said, it was my sister's place and she's going to renovate that whole um, house probably towards the end of this year. Um, so I had to move out at some stage. Yeah, so... So that's another reason why maybe the workshops are going to get pushed back a bit. So yeah. the, the idea for me at the moment, I mean, we, we bought this place about two years ago and it had this big old rumpus room with a pool table. And yeah. um, and when we first bought it, we sort of thought, oh, you know, it'd be fun playing a bit of pool. And um, But we just almost never came in here, you know. Yeah. So, um, so we yeah, it was almost a year where we hadn't even really stepped foot in here. So um, so this is my studio now. So it's That's it's cool. worked really well. It's excellent. Yeah. Do you think yeah. like leases like was the le- are leases expensive? Well, it depends where. I mean, have an online store or they just shop these days. I don't know. You sorry? know, I no. What did you um, say? Sorry. A, like a, a brick and mortar shop, like opening a shop or something these these yeah. days. With you know, I mean, it was the trend was was going online anyway, but then COVID hit and it just, I mean, what it did was kind of force people online who never wanted to go and shop online, and then they've realised how easy it is, and now they're all shopping online. So um, there's something to be said for sort of online, but you need your space, don't you, where you can create, and um, that that's the one thing that I'm finding already. A, a lot of customers used to Adelaide people used to love coming to the the butcher shop and meeting me and we'd make an appointment and they'd look at the leather and it was really great. Yeah. Um, so because I'm working from home, I'm not doing that because it's my home and, you know, it's a different space. But um, And I'm moving away from the custom stuff. Yeah. Um, so so I'm not doing that so much. But that's the one thing. People do like to come and see your stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, from saying before about having things in shop, so you almost need like a multi-leveled, um existence don't you so for me it's it's going to some high-end market sometimes um and then also having some things in shops um and then also being online and then you know you've also got a waiting list that you work off of where people just sort of you know are after things and i mean i'll do custom things sometimes but only if it's really worth it so quite often when people hear 
the price of a custom thing, they'll go, oh, no, that's fine, because it's just not worth your while. Um, yeah. With all the effort and time that you put in into it. Um, you know, so if you have if you have all of those different um, ways of income coming in, you've got a bit of a stream somewhere yeah. on stage. Yeah. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Thanks, Sasha, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. I really appreciate <laughs> being able to do it. It's it's great. Thank um, you. Like I said, I love my favourite thing to do when I'm working is listen to podcasts. So when I came across this, it was really exciting because suddenly I'm hearing, you know, sort of some of the Australian people that I've been following talking and yeah. I really enjoyed it. So to be able to be on has just been awesome. So thank you so much. That's all right.